Welcome into the Gump Runners Podcast, episode 22. Uh, 22. Chase Thornton, Lester Mitchell, we've got a special guest, Evan Wright, who's kind of out in the boondocks tonight. He's trying to, uh, to be on the call with us. Uh, so, uh, you know, he's in a bad service area. We've already decided that if he, if he gets too staticky, if he starts cutting out on us too much, he'll, uh, he'll hop off and then he'll join us again next week. But, um, uh, Lester, let's just go ahead and start out. Alabama, um, has their 10 game basketball winning streak snapped at Oklahoma on the road. Oklahoma down two starters in this game, including their leading score and still able to pull out the win against Alabama 66 to 61. Alabama really just couldn't get anything to fall on the offensive end. They didn't play bad defense, but Oklahoma, they just made the shots whenever they needed to down the stretch. Alabama only scored one point in the last three minutes and 45 seconds of the game. Lester, give me, give me your, um, analysis of this game tell me what you think of course this is a game that uh you would love to win um, a top 25 opponent on the road that will look great for a resume but at the same time I'm, I'm not surprised by the result of the game last saturday um the past couple of days from past couple of games from uh from miss state to kentucky um ever since that ginormous lsu win on the road that was kind of trended down. Um, I'm, I'm not surprised they lost. Um, trending down along with the injuries, her being maybe 50%. I'm convinced if he wants to keep playing, they're going to have to wheel him up down the court in a wheelchair. Um, uh, Rojas not healthy. Um, Quinterly, I don't, I, you just never know what that dude looks like. He's trying to get his legs back on him. Sometimes he looks great. So Alabama's been trending down for, I guess, a week, a week and a half. So, of course, I hate to see a loss, but maybe this is not a bad thing. Um, Oates alluded to this before that maybe this is the time for the team to mentally reset. He said before that he's been trying to get this team to listen and to say that teams are going to be gunning for us now. They're going to be gunning for us. we got to do this. we got to do little things better. And I guess they haven't listened then. What happened? They lost. So, hey, maybe this isn't a bad thing at all. Yeah, and, I mean, I texted y'all, and I told y'all that, you know, it is good to lose in basketball. I mean, there's only been a few undefeated teams, and most of them are the UCLA teams um, back in the 60s and 70s. But uh, it, but thing is, you know, with a guy like Javon Quinterly, he has a really good game against LSU, and like you said, the whole team is trending downward, but – um. Him in particular, man, oh my gosh, him and, and John Petty to an extent. Now, Petty's still getting his 10, 12 points a game, but whenever he erupts like that, you just, you know what he can do. He had 10 threes his freshman year against Auburn. He, he hit eight or nine against LSU on the road. And so, you know, he's capable. Um, you know, his ceiling and you just, it seems like we expect more out of him than we're getting on a consistent basis. He seems to be, one of the streakiest players that Alabama's ever had. I mean, he's still good, but uh, he's still very, very streaky. But we know that he can erupt at any time. But Javon Quinterly just seems like seems like one of these guys that dribbles a lot and doesn't get anywhere. Like you know, I mean, Kyra Lewis, he really didn't go between the legs a whole lot, a whole lot whenever he was trying to drive past somebody. He would just. Use his speed, explode by him, two dribbles, and he's at the bucket. Quinterly dribbles five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times, and and he just doesn't go anywhere. He can't go by anybody. He he lacks 
um, acceleration and quickness with the ball in his hands when he's exploding to the rack. He can't get by the guy. And, you know, a lot of people, you, you, you know, these guys, you played against them in high school, you played against them at the wreck or whatever. I mean, you know, you've seen guys that do a lot of dribbling and have good handles, but they just can't get anywhere. And it seems like Q, um, has been that type really all season. Um, he, he did shoot well against LSU. Um, but yeah, since then a huge downward trend to them. Lester, how, how much trouble is Alabama in? Uh, you know, cause I really don't think Herb is going to get, you know, Oates continues to talk about how he wants Herb 100%. I don't think that's going to happen just because, like you said, Herb's not going to come off the floor. He's going to give it everything he has. He's not going to play half ass. He's always going to go 100%. And, uh, or he's going to give you 100%. So I don't think he'll be healthy the remainder of the season because, I mean, you're playing two games a week. And, uh, you know, you mentioned last week about sitting her for a couple of games. I wouldn't mind that, but we all know that's not going to happen. Herb's just not going to allow that. So, you know, with with Quinterly not being able to contribute offensively, how much trouble is Alabama in at the point guard spot? I I don't I don't think that they're in trouble necessarily. I think they got to play smarter, better, and more efficient. Another thing one one of the key things as far as um, point guard play is they're not moving the ball around. Like you said, Quinley, it's just I think this is an and one street circuit or whatever. He's just driven all over the place. He's not really he's not really driving. He's not really running past people. He's not really moving the ball. The ball isn't moving as it should in this offense. And number two, like you said, Herb isn't healthy. If he's going to be your point forward, he has got to be healthy. He's going to be quick. And you, you can't do that when you have a bad back, a bad hip, a bad leg. I'm sorry, but if, I, if I'm Oates, I sit hurt for two weeks. He can cry. He can moan, which everything I've seen from him since he's been in Alabama, I don't think that he would do that. But you've got to explain to this kid, like, look, bro, regular season, it matters to a degree, but we don't care about that. We need you healthy for the NCAA tournament and for the NCAA tournament. You've got to do whatever you can to get him healthy. Now they said as long as he doesn't take any falls, um, it can't get any worse. Bro, Herb is the hardest faller I've ever seen. Every time he hits the floor, it's a thud, and it's loud. And we have that coupled with the, you know, he's not a big, thick dude. He's kind of, he's kind of slender. I mean, things are just going to pile up from the hip to his glutes to his legs. They think, you know, it'll be an ankle. Look, sit that guy down and let's get healthy. Let's get healthy. Hey, it won't hurt. Let Primo run point. You have other people on the team who can take over some of those, du- some of those duties. So let's exercise while we can. That experience will be very healthy going into the postseason. Yeah, let's uh let, let's try let's try to bring Evan in. Evan, let's let's hope you found some service and you'll be able to to answer these questions. First of all, just give me a synopsis of the season. I know you've been trying to get on this podcast for a couple of weeks. Um, stuff has come up on the day that we were supposed to record, so you couldn't join us. So you're finally here now. It's just your bad luck. You're in a bad service area, so maybe we can get through this one um, without too many hiccups. But uh, number one, just give me a synopsis of the season as a whole so far. Um, and then, you know, tell me a little bit about what you saw in the Oklahoma game, which led to Alabama and how we're having their uh, 10-game winning streak ended. Yeah, Chase, you got me. 
Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead. Okay, good. Hopefully that that problem's over with. Yeah, man. Uh, just to first off, you know, talk about the season as a whole. It's been a fun year to be an Alabama basketball fan, and I'm a big big hoops guy. I, I probably put more stock and energy into basketball than I do football, quite frankly. And what a fun season it's been so far. And you know, Nate Oates, I think, has done an incredible job of of instilling his system into a group of guys that I mean, we've, we've got a team that as of the start of the season had a ton of depth and you know from the guard position all the way down to forward and you know, you've got guys on the bench that can contribute and give you you know quality minutes and quality time on the floor and um, basketball is different in the standpoint of you know looking at it from a football perspective in that it's a streaky game, right? I mean, you're going to go through highs and lows of a season. And uh, like you mentioned, UCLA, the chances of you going undefeated are so slim. Um, and Alabama, you know, rolled off 10 straight. And, and that was something that I never thought I would see as an Alabama fan. And we got it. And then, you know, the Oklahoma game comes around. We were we were kind of trending down um, headed into that game from a production standpoint, from a depth standpoint, obviously injuries to Herb. Um, which I think Nato's kind of really pointed to the severity of that after this last game. And then obviously Bruner's on the bench. Rojas is not playing, which he hasn't been solid, but he's been a, he's been a big guy that can come in and give us minutes. And against Oklahoma, you know, to break down that game, I think it was a, a perfect storm or an imperfect storm. If you're an Alabama fan, again, going against the tide. And, um, you know, you, you had two games leading up to that where Alabama, had Herb Jones, who was injured, no Bruner, and it looked like the style of Alabama started to kind of change. And I think a lot of that, you know, some people out there thought it was maybe coaching or or just a, you know, lack of preparation or a we're a top 10 team, we don't need to prove anything mentality. But if you really kind of look at the film and break everything down, it, it makes sense as to what we're seeing on the court when it comes to Alabama. And, uh, you know, I saw a tweet today. It was somebody breaking down a, an offensive rebound set. And if you look at the dynamic of the team now and, and you try to figure out, okay, why are we not shooting the ball as much? Why are we not scoring as many points? Why is the pace going slower? This, this tweet really set it all in stone for me. And it, it showed how on the defensive end, how the team has changed. And, it's different now because you don't have a Herbert full capacity. You don't have a Bruner down low. And the entire team now is having to rebound the basketball. And, and we're still playing great defense, mind you. Um, but rebounding now, and we're still rebounding somewhat well, but it's now become a, a team game. Everybody's having to rebound. And I looked at some stats today, and the, the two leading rebounders, which won't come as a shock to you, are Herb Jones and Jordan Bruner. The second two leading rebounders, which I think is a testament to what has happened in these last three games, has Shaq been John, John Petty and Shaq. Yeah. And, you know, when, when that's the case and when you don't have a Bruner and you don't have a Herb rebounding the basketball, everybody's having a rebound. And your guards, now you want to look at NATO's system, you have guys that can rebound and you have guys that can get in, get in the floor and get in open space. Before the injuries – when the ball went up on the defensive end, Herb or, or Petty and Shaq and whoever the other guard was, whether it was JQ or somebody else, those guys might have been at half court 
when the shot went up. But now you're having to have all these guys suck in to try and take some of these rebounds, and so you're not able to get the ball in open space. And when that's the case, then you're, you're having to play half-court offense. And Alabama, they're, they're not built to run a half-court offense. It's not their style. And because of that, teams have been able to not only slow us down in that regard, we're kind of slowing ourselves down in order to secure the boards, but also we're having to run these half-court offenses and defenses are starting to cover the three-point line and basically give up the lane and give up the inside. And as a you know result, kind of shooting ourselves in the foot, we haven't been able to, to finish at the uh, in the paint. And that's been a combination of Herb Jones is banged up. He can't finish like he was before. And then you've got Jaden Shackelford, who's maybe been a little cold. Maybe it's, hey, man, the ball's in your hands. you got to do more. And he just hadn't been able to rise to the to the occasion. But, um, you know, all this being said, we haven't played well in the last three, and we're two and one. So I don't think it's time to necessarily, you know, pull the, pull the cord on this team. But the identity of this team has got to change for the duration of the time that Herb Jones is banged up and Jordan Bruner is still on the bench. So I, I think this team – Man, they got a ton of potential. Obviously, you want to get Brenner back healthy. You want Herb to remain or, or get back to 100%. I, I kind of agree with Lester. You know, the, the the problem with just sitting Herb Jones for the next week is you've got LSU and Missouri on the on on the you know the next two games. So, and if if you can knock off those two guys, if you can beat LSU and Missouri potentially, you've only got to win two more SEC games, and you're you're almost smooth sailing until the tournament. You make um, you know, win the regular season SEC title. So it's a long way to go, and, and you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and and what what I've asked, what I asked Lester last week, and, and I, want, I want to stay with you here, and I want to ask you the same question. Is it fair to, or now that Alabama's the top 10 basketball team, even though they're, they're you know, a fresh, a freshly top 10 basketball team, you know, we're not used to Alabama being up there, but you got to the top ten for a reason. You were playing dang good basketball. You won ten in a row. Nine of those were SEC games, and um, and a lot of those were not close. You had Auburn. You won by four points in Sharif Cooper's debut, um, and uh, and then <laughs> really outside of that, it's been a lot of double digit wins, and um, a couple of those were twenty and thirty point wins um, against pretty good teams as, as well. Um, so is it fair now that Alabama is a top ten team? Is it fair to criticize them like a top ten team from a fan's perspective? I mean, we're always going to criticize, and everybody's going to be a couch coach when it comes to these things. But again, it's you have to look at the entire picture, and I think a lot of people have looked at the last three, which again I will reiterate that we're two and one in those last three, and quite frankly, I don't remember a season in mind that we won two out of every three games, but you know, that is what it is. So yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the criticism to a degree is fair. I think there's an element of within the team, Hey, we're top 10. We don't have anything else to prove. Um, you know, the last time I was on your show, we, we were talking about, I think it was fresh off the Western Kentucky loss or it was the game before. And, and we kind of talked about mentalities and, you know, John Petty is the first guy that comes to mind when you want to talk about uh, mental, the mental aspect of the game, just based off what we've seen during his four years. But, you know, we said that day that it, it may be a good time to, to put John Petty on the bench just for – to maybe try to get him refocused. 
and it was either I think it was that weekend that we lost to Western Kentucky, and then the following week that Petty went to the bench or, or sat out that game, him and Rojas, and then and then we started the, the streak, the ten straight, and so and it worked, right? But and now we're at this point, and you ask about you know criticizing the team. We're at a point with Alabama basketball where the fans and the team can really smell a potential season that could lead to greatness, and you know. I think I don't I don't think a loss is acceptable at this point. Again, looking at the big picture in basketball, it's highly unlikely, regardless of who you are, that you're going to go undefeated. I mean, Kentucky didn't lose a game in 2017, 2018, until they got to the Final Four and lost to Wisconsin, yep. right? And that was one of the best teams we ever saw. Yeah. But and so I, I said I said like a week two weeks ago, it what does it mean in basketball for you to get hot and play your best ball in January? Nothing. It means nothing. nothing. You 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 want to get everything rolling like Auburn did when they made their Final Four run, the weeks leading up to the SEC tournament through that and into March. And if this loss leads us to that point, I'm all for it. And I'm not going to criticize. You know, it, it's not about where we're coming from at this point. It's about where we're going. And the I think the big question mark for where we're going is can we get everybody healthy and get our squad back? And if we can, I don't see any reason why we can't play like we did you know, during the middle of this 10-game win streak. So um, criticize, sure, a little bit. There's things that Mm -hmm. we can definitely improve on, but I don't think it's time to pull the cord on this team. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely not not pulling the cord, but you have a lot of people on Twitter – and I mean, like 98% of people, when I, is what I mean when I say that, that are just going to defend Nate Oates until they die. And, and I understand that because you're coming off of Anthony Grant and Avery Johnson, who, I mean, the hype around Avery Johnson was just incredible. He's going to go out and he's going to get all these big time guys because he's got NBA ties and he's going to develop and, you know, we're going to have NBA players on our team and he ended up getting one. Um, and he cheated to get him, but, uh, it's just the fact that, you know, now that there has been some sustained success at Alabama, you know, people are just going to defend Nate Oates with everything they have. And I'm, I'm the opposite. I think that Nate Oates, there's a lot Nate Oates can work on as a coach. Now, do I think he's great? Absolutely. I think he's going to do some really good things at Alabama. They need to get him an arena built ASAP, whether it's renovated or whatever. They need to get him a nice place to play and a nice place to recruit to. Because that certainly does help in the recruiting process. And, you know, last time I checked, you get better players, you know, you're going to have a better chance at, at getting to a Final Four, winning a national championship, winning the SEC consistently. So, yeah, I think it absolutely helps to get that arena, arena in there. And, um, but, you know, this guy's only 46 years old. I mean, hell, seven years ago, he was coaching high school basketball. He, he has a lot to learn with himself. I mean, he holds on to timeouts. We, me and Lester, are, you know, we can complain about, you know, that almost every game. I think, uh, in the last minute of the game against, uh, Oklahoma, you know, he still had three timeouts left. And I'm not saying that's the end all be all, but gosh, when they go on runs, it seems like he just tries to shoot himself out of it or just hope that they go cold or just wait for that media timeout. Um, uh, this, that happens every four minutes. Um, but you know, you know, that, and then like you were talking about the, uh, the half-court offense, you know, that's not Alabama's game. Yeah, I understand that. But at the same time, you've got a lot of time to spend with these players. This isn't high school where you get them for an hour and a half a day after school when they're mentally drained and you're trying to put in all these systems and everything. This is 
this is a college basketball program, a big time college basketball program. You've got a lot of time to spend with these players. And how the hell do you not have a half court offense set up to get your best players the ball? I mean, goodness. I mean, I've coached why basketball. And the first thing I do whenever I, I, I start drawing up plays is, hey, I've got these two guys that are pretty good. This guy's pretty average. And my other two maybe aren't as great. So I'm going to design an offense to use screens or whatever and get those guys the ball. Now, I'm not saying that that's, as, that's easy to do in the SEC, but the fact to me that John Petty and Josh Primo combined for four shots in the second half of the game Saturday, that's worrisome. And that's troubling to me, the fact that against Kentucky and Oklahoma combined, Josh Primo has attempted one shot, not made one shot, attempted one shot in the second half of both of those games. And it, it to me, it seems like there can be a lot more done in the half-court offense. I get you're a run-and-gun team. I get that's your identity. But like I was talking to Lester about last week, man, you've got to think that eventually – Somebody's going to stop that. And whenever that happens, you got to have something to combat it. You got to have something to, to counter it. And if you don't have an offensive set, you've seen, I mean, teams can shut Alabama down. So what do you, what do you say to that? Do you think that kind of criticism is fair of Nate Oates? I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad coach because I think he's great. I think he's going to do really good things at Alabama again. You know, I'm going to reiterate that. And I'm I'm behind Nate Oates, but these people on Twitter talking about how he's the end be he's got some things to work on himself. And the fact that number one, the first thing you say in your post game press conference is we weren't ready to play. Why the hell not? This is a top twenty five team on the road in a non conference game. You you could have basically treated this like a tournament game. Now, once again, the loss didn't hurt us because we're still ranked ten or whatever. We actually moved up to eight in the Ken Palm rankings. But I mean, I'd rather I'd rather win. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, this is a you know this is a a game that a lot of people watch. You know, nationally, uh, the Big 12 SEC Challenge was something that was advertised for a long time. A lot of people were waiting on this day, and um, and Alabama had one of their worst showings they've had in a while. And um, you know, my question is, why the hell weren't weren't your guys ready to play? And then number two. Why the hell don't you have a half-court offense? I mean, just something, a down screen, a back screen, you know, just an alley-oop lob, a, a, a hard pick and roll. Instead of trying to get Herb on a point guard, let him bat down the post or do this driving dish game. Evan, do you think that kind of criticism is fair? No, I think that's absolutely fair. I think, um, you know, we've, we're now going on game three of, her being injured and, and really kind of having to grind out these games and not being able to just run and gun and blow guys out of the gym. Yeah, and just, hey, real real quick, I mean, I understand the injuries, you know, because I, I've heard you say it a couple of times, and, you know, Lester said it, we've been talking about it. Herb is banged up and Bruner is out. Oklahoma was also missing probably their their best defensive player and their leading scorer, and they still beat Alabama. I know they were at home, and sure, they might have gotten some foul calls, but – you know, the rest didn't make Shackelford miss two layups in the last five minutes of the game. He didn't make Alex Reese go three from ten from deep with nobody within five, six feet of him. I mean, he didn't shoot a contested shot all game and went three out of ten from the art. That just absolutely killed us. I think there was one possession where he got two wide-ass open looks and just bricked both of them on the same possession. So, I mean, 
But yeah, so yeah. I, I, I get Herb. Yeah, Herb was injured and Bruner's out, but Oklahoma was banged up too. They had guys out with COVID. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. And, and, you know, Oklahoma's down two guys. We're essentially down two and a half, however, you know, you want to look at it. And I, I agree with you on everything that you mentioned. Shaq, Shaq's got to convert at the rim. Alex Reese, he's got to shoot better, but quite frankly, we've witnessed 30% from deep from him for four years now. So what more do you really expect? I don't think there's much more that we get from that guy. Um, I, I agree with your points. And, and my rebuttal to what you're saying is let's see this play out for the next two or three games. Because, again, we're only in to game three of this kind of style of Alabama offense. Up until now, man, we've been able to blow guys out of the gym running Nate Oates, what he prefers to run, and that's run and gun, shoot the ball, get it wide open, and, and get up and down the court. Now, again, you know, given the injuries and, and everything, our, our, our style of play has changed. And also, Herb Jones hasn't really been practicing that much. So, you know, I'm not here just strictly defending the guy. What I'm saying is let's not completely jump ship on him in game three of this this period of time of Alabama basketball in the year of 2021. Oh, yeah. I think think you're 100% right. And and this is kind of what I was saying before. I think this stretch of basketball that Alabama is going through will be pivotal for them if you want to make a run in March. You have got to develop some sort of half-court offense. Regardless if it's injury, you're going to eventually meet somebody that can probably slow you down. And you're going to have to be able to run out of half-court sets and design plays and draw it up. And I think this period of time is a great time to figure that out. Because there's no – when you're beating guys by 30, guess what? You don't have to run a half-court offense. You, you can run and gun, and you can blow them out of the gym, and you don't, you're, you're comfortable the whole game. Well, guess what? Now this team is uncomfortable, and we've got to figure out ways that we can score when we can't just do it in a wide-open fashion. So uh, the criticism is fair. But I would say let's wait and see what happens in the next week, next two weeks. And if the problems continue to exist, then we'll go from there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I'm not saying jump and sh- don't don't jump ship on the guy because, you know, for the third time, this guy is a really good coach. He is going to do some good things at Alabama. I just – I do think it – yeah, I do, I do think that it, it's fair to criticize him and the fact that there are some things that he can work on. Now, he has a great system. And what he's brought to Alabama is very intriguing to the to the high school generation. I mean, that's what everybody wants to do is run and shoot, man. Um, and so, yeah, it's a great system. Lester, are you still with us? I haven't talked to you in a while. I'm hanging in there, my guy. It's good to hear from you, man. You watching uh, Bull Durham? A little bit, a little bit. A little yeah. bit of them and uh, the Nets and the uh, Clippers. Lester wanted to uh, – Lester wanted to, to postpone the uh, – the podcast tonight because he said Bull Durham comes on at eight. I said, man, it's almost baseball season. That, that movie's going to be on every week for the next month. Uh, so yeah, he, <laughs> he, 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 caved, he caved in, decided to join us. Um, uh, but you know, Lester and, and, and Evan, um, I think another reason why me personally, I'm so, you know, this is a big wake up call. This loss, um, and really the last three games for Alabama, Lester, I think it's a big wake up call for me. It's because, I know how Alabama basketball teams have performed in the month of February. This is the time, as soon as that calendar turns over to Feb 1, man, it seems like this basketball team can shut down quick. And 
you know, like Evan said, you got LSU at home tomorrow or today if you're listening to this on Wednesday and uh and then, you know, you go to Missouri this way. And then you got a bunch of SEC bottom feeders. I mean you got Georgia, South Carolina, um, Arkansas again, who you already beat by thirty one. You've got Auburn who you've already beaten, who just got beat by Georgia on their home floor. Um so you know, it it seems like you can get through these next two and at least split. You know, then you I'm not saying you can coast. Gosh, do not get me wrong. Do not think that I'm saying just coast, but it seems like the ro- you know, the light is a little brighter at the end of the tunnel. And it seems like Alabama can gain some momentum at the end of the regular season before the SEC tournament. I agree, man. I agree. They they they've got to regroup. And one thing that I like is that Oates and um Alex Reese previously said they recognize that the team falters in January and February. Like they already know that this is a problem and it's been a problem, a consistent problem in the past, and they want to fix that. I think that after this loss against Oklahoma, the team comes out focused with something to prove that this is different. This is the this is not the same oh Alabama basketball or oh, they're about to collapse or whatever. They've got to have the mindset that they're going to prove Everybody, all the critics wrong, and they got to prove to themselves that this is different. They're on the track for something special. Like I said, the, the next two games, um, LSU, Missouri, huge, at least split. They can, they can win both, but they have got to keep the ball rolling. They've got to find their sync. They got to get back in sync on offense, and they need guys to continue to step up. Um, Keon Ellis, I felt like he played great against Oklahoma. Well, we've seen it. Now we need it consistently. We need it. This team is deeper than what they've shown thus far. We need those guys to continue to get experience, play better, and contribute. If Herb goes down, great. Who's the next guy? Is it Ellis? I feel like it could be. You know, Herb, you're not going to be able to replace Herb, but you got to have some kind of replacement level talent there to make up some of the production. So these next couple games are huge, and uh, but I'm glad that they are looking within themselves and they realize that. So I'm looking for a good showing them to come out focused and fast against LSU. And in, in college basketball, do you think that? The selection committee values good losses, or which which one outweighs the other? You think a good loss, bad loss, or a good win? Which which one do you think outweighs the other ones in the eyes of the selection committee? That's a good question, man. I I don't it know. It is because I, I can't know. figure it out either. I don't know how they do it, and you know when you're evaluating. A field to fill 68 teams. There's so many different things that go into it. I, I don't, I don't know how they begin to, to look at it. I mean, obviously it's a combination. However, whatever one they put up, uh, you know, however they value wins and losses. And, you know, quite frankly, as far as I can tell, this Alabama team right now, if you just want to look at their resume today, they don't think they really have a bad loss. I mean, Western Kentucky is probably the worst loss that we had this year and, and they're projected to, to make the tournament and, I guess Stanford would probably be the other one. And uh, last I checked, I don't think they're projected to make the tournament, but they're probably a better team than Western Kentucky. I think Western Kentucky gets in with an automatic bid. Um, 
and then you've got Clemson, who's projected to be in, and 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 obviously now Oklahoma. I do want to say this though, because you know you mentioned it, and you talk about the history of Alabama and, and going into February and how bad we've been historically. I, personally, I, I can't think of the last time that we had a disappointing loss to a ranked team. You know, all these years leading up to this season that I can remember, we were getting beat by teams we shouldn't lose to. Now, granted, you can make the argument we shouldn't have lost to Oklahoma. Right. Um, yeah, but, but the reason is the reason is is because you know in, in the past Alabama hasn't been on the same level as those teams. So you know you get your ass up by Kentucky. Ah, eh, oh well. You know, Mississippi State is ranked, whether it's Auburn or whatever. If you lose to those teams, you're like, well, we expected to. You know what I'm saying? I think that's the reason for that. Yeah, but then there were also the teams that we lost to that we shouldn't have lost to. You know, I can I can remember the last four or five games of Colin Sexton's season that, that we lost two or three games that just you, – you scratch your head thinking, how the heck do we lose this ball game? You look at the lineups and you see the teams and we just – we lost games that there was no excuse for losing. Losing to Oklahoma, I still think there's while, – while you should have won the ball game, I think there's still a legitimate excuse for why we lost. Not excusing the loss, but Oklahoma was hot, man. O- Oklahoma and Alabama may have been the two hottest teams in college basketball. Right. College basketball is a game of momentum. Oklahoma had it that night. Yeah, um, and, and I think that, you know, the reason I asked that is because you've seen a lot of that. You know, this is a good loss for Alabama. While, yes, I do agree with that. But say you beat Oklahoma, you beat LSU, you beat Missouri. That's three good wins in a row. And then you go to South Carolina. You're in the Carolina. top five, and you're probably a one seed at that point. Yeah, well, I mean, and then the, what I'm saying is and then you go to South Carolina, maybe her rest for a game, it's a midweek game, you're on the road, and South Carolina beats you. And they're like four and six in the conference or whatever, five and six. They have a losing record. You know, does that outweigh the wins against – LSU, Missouri, and, and, and Oklahoma, and I don't think it does. And, and my reasoning behind that is because it's a lot easier to make the excuse of, you know, we weren't ready to play, this team slipped up on us, you know, Herb's not healthy. To me, that makes a lot more sense when you get beat by somebody that you're not supposed to. Now, when you go on the road against the top 25 team in a non-conference game that's been advertised all over the place for the last couple of weeks, um, there's a lot of build-up to the game. And then, you know, they have two starters out, including a leading scorer. Um, to me, the excuse of, you know, we weren't ready to play, that doesn't, that doesn't get anywhere with me. And, and that's why I'm asking this question is because I think that there's more value in winning these games than losing them. As a fan, yeah, I would agree with you. And I, I see your point and, and, you know, you're 100%, man. If we beat Oklahoma and we, we win these next two, we're sitting in the driver's seat and we're looking at, Probably a three seed is the worst possible case at this point. Um, uh, in the eyes of the committee and the voters or, or whoever it is, I guess it's a committee that picks these teams. You know, in the course of last week, we moved up in the Ken Palm. I want to say we, I guess, fell a spot in the AP and the coaches. Yeah. So I, I really, really, as a whole, you look at last week beating Kentucky, losing to Oklahoma, who is now a top ten team. Um, I think you pretty much stayed stagnant and stayed where you should have been. It would have been great to beat them. And the, the, the sky would have been the limit at that point in time had you, had you knocked off Oklahoma. But, um, I think, I think the team's going to be okay going forward. And again, I think, I think it, that, that game could eventually be a net positive for this team yeah. in the course of the history of this team going forward. 
Okay. Uh, Lester, you know, our, our last basketball point on this podcast this week is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say it's a guarantee that Alabama's going to win the regular season SEC championship. They have a, uh, they have a three game lead right now. It's looking pretty promising for them. If they can split these next two, then you have a bunch of bottom feeders. If they can, you know, finish six and three in their last nine, maybe five and four, I think they can still win the, the league with, with ease. And I don't think they'll have too much heat on them, um, coming from that second place spot. But I, I want to, I want you to give me what percentage of you thinks that Alabama can, can win an SEC tournament. Ninety percent. Wow. Oh, holy. Okay. Yes. Tell yes. me why. That's strong. <laughs> because look, look, look. Things are looking down right now. But like I said, once we get past these next two games, we have a bunch of bottom feeders. Oates said that Bruner is probably still another two to three weeks out. But if we can get Bruner back before the tournament, man. I like our chances. I think a lot of our struggles, like Evan was mentioning earlier, there's no big man in the middle, and they can come out to the three-point line and guard you without being punished. So I think that we get Bruner back. That this there's nothing that this team can't do. Absolutely nothing. Um, I would love for some other big guys like uh, Keon Ambrose and whoever else we got in the roster to somewhat contribute and produce. But as long as Bruner's out. This team, they're going to struggle a little bit. But we get that guy back, I'll put this team against anybody in the SEC. 90%. Yes. What what, what have they done recently? I mean, what have they done over the course of the season to prove to you that they can't win the SEC? Well, to me, it's just because I don't – I mean, yeah, Bruner is big. I'll go ahead and say Bruner because when you get Bruner back, Alex Reese's minutes deplete heavily, and that's a huge win for Alabama. Exactly. And, uh, I mean, when Bruner's back, that mofo better be playing 39 minutes a game. Put Reese in on a couple of defensive possessions. Don't let him play offense, and damn sure don't let him shoot the basketball. Um, and so I think that's big to get him back. But 90%, I don't think I'm anywhere close to that. I'm in more of the – the 60% range, which is actually pretty good for me. Uh, but, uh, and it's, it's the reason that, you know, as good as Alabama looked during that 10 game stretch, you know, they started the year playing like they are now and now they're back to it. Who's to say, who, who's going to put all their confidence and all their eggs into the basket of that the team that you've seen on that 10 game run is really who Alabama is? What if the team that you've seen the last three games is really who Alabama is? I mean, gosh, if they, if you play like that against LSU and Missouri, you're about to be O for your last three. And then, you know, it's anybody's ball game down the stretch. So who's to say that that 10-game run wasn't kind of fluky and streaky? Because we know, we, we've seen teams do that. I mean, look at Auburn in 2018 on their Final Four run. I mean, I, I think they had good players, but they didn't have any just absolute studs. I mean, Chuma was pretty good, but then he got hurt, and they still played good. They were just white hot. And they had all this confidence, and they got hot at the right time. And uh, so who's to say that Alabama had a little run in the middle of the season, and who's to say that that's not who they are and that who we've seen these last three games and who we saw at the beginning of the season is actually who this team is? Well, we've seen what this team can do, and I think that, right. that should be the expectation. 
Yes. This team, I, again, now, we're, we're I, not going to expect them to score 110 points a game or nothing like that. But we have seen this team have excellent rebounding, excellent defense, excellent movement on offense, and can shoot the lights out of the ball. So that is my expectation on a healthy team. And a healthy team can beat any other team in the SEC and win the SEC tournament. Yeah, if you get Brunner back and everything's okay with him and then Herb – continues to improve and heal if he can get up to 90 percent i have you know i'd probably raise my percentage to 65 70 percent but evan what's your confidence percentage that this team can cut down the nets in nashville that's a good question chase i'm i agree with lester as far as expectation but then i also think back to every season i've been a fan of Alabama basketball and it is february it has me at like 40 percent man yeah, and I, I, I'm. That's where I'm at, and um, you know, I, I go back to what Lester said early on. If I'm Nate Oates, which I'm not, and I'm not trying to be, and there's no shot I ever will be, but I, you can't convince me not to sit Herb Jones for the next two weeks, because when I look at the entirety of a basketball season, again, I said this earlier, you want to be hot late February, going into March, and I'm not convinced that playing Herb Jones right now, which Nate said this, you know, there's no indication that him playing will further his injury, but will it allow him to heal? And and can you get this team? You want to be Alabama two weeks ago, two weeks from now. And how do you get the team to that point? If you can get the team to that point with Bruner back and Herb healthy, playing the running gun style that Nate Oates wants to play, having gone through this period of time where we've had to adjust and we've had to run a half-court offense, and you get that team in late February going into the SEC tournament, I'm at 90%. But right now, man, I, I sit at like 40. Kentucky's getting better. Um, nah, Auburn, nah. Auburn, Auburn is, you know. Well, Auburn just got beat at home. Before, before, before the loss tonight, I would have said Auburn's yeah. a threat to beat. The, Kentucky's, I think Kentucky will get better. What are the chances we beat Kentucky three times in a year is my, my question. And then you've got Tennessee. They, they can't shoot the basketball. That's the problem. They can't shoot the basketball. Yeah. If you can't shoot the basketball this day and age, I mean, this is like the spread offense. That's like saying, hey, I've got a college football team. We've got some really, really good athletes, but we don't know how to run the spread. <laughs> Correct. No, you're you right. Know? And they they, they yeah. figure that out. And, but if, if we meet the Kentucky team that we beat last week in the SEC tournament with the team that we have now, I think they figure out how to beat us. And I think I think Tennessee will probably get better as the year goes on. I just don't – my confidence is not that high. My expectation is there because of what I've seen this team be capable of. But there's so many question marks right now with the, with the program of, that, that, that lead me to think, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll be shocked if we're able to get back to that, that same basketball that we played in the middle of uh, January. Which one would you rather have? Would you rather have a regular season title or a tournament title? Tournament. All day long. Lester? Tournament. Tournament. Banners hang up forever. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I I look at it the other way, and that's just because, you know, I mean, anybody, golly, Ole Miss, Georgia, South Carolina, anybody, there's a lot of things. They can just catch fire. I mean, everything that they're throwing up is going in. They're shooting 45% from deep. I don't care how much of a talent disparity there is between the two rosters. If you shoot 45% from deep or better, you're going to win the game. 
with, with as many three balls that are being shot in college these days, if you catch fire, you're going to beat everybody that you play. Um, like, you know, the night that Alabama played LSU down in Baton Rouge, they could have been playing the Lakers. And, and, and Alabama had a really good chance of winning that game because everything they looked at was going in. And, you know, it was everybody. It was Q. It was Primo. It was Petty. It was Shaq. Everybody was, everybody was knocking them down. And so I think, you know, in a tournament, it, you can, any, you know, there's, anybody can get hot for three days and win a tournament. But to me, it's more impressive doing it over a span of three months. You see what I'm saying? That's the way I look at it is because, you know, You've got to you've got to battle your injuries. You got to go through your spurts like Alabama's going through right now. You got to go through your funks. You got to find a way to get out of the funk and finish the race. And I think it takes a lot more to win a regular season title than it does a tournament title. Because tournament title, you get hot for three days, boom, you cut down the nets. That's the way I look at it. That's fair. That's fair. I can see your point. But, uh, I think you're right. I just I, I go back and and I've beat this horse and it's so dead right now. But I'm gonna say it one more time. I, I I put a lot of you know stock into getting hot at the right time, and I think that you know winning that SEC tournament title means you're trending in the right direction at the perfect time of the year. Oh, that'd be huge. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that I wouldn't like either one, but um, I just think it's harder to win one um over a regular season and um especially if Alabama runs away with this thing and wins it by four or five games man that's going to be impressive i mean these guys could easily be you know 16 and 2 in conference and that's very impressive in the SEC even though yeah it is kind of slightly a down year in the SEC but hell they just won the the SEC Big 12 challenge they won it five games to four so they're a better conference in the Big 12 you know they they put it on the floor and um and and proved it but uh yeah, um, let's move away from, from, from basketball. Let's move into, to some pretty big news that dropped. Uh, EA Sports has decided to bring back the NCAA college football game. Um, I know, Evan, how much of a gamer are you? How much do you play this game? I know whenever the, whenever the, the leaves start falling, I always tend to find that PlayStation 3, blow the dust off of it and, and play that PlayStation game. Um, I know Lester's played it. Um, of course he plays on, on, Two clock and runs the Maryland die, um, but uh, he, he, you know he plays it. and Just about everybody I know plays it. They've announced that they're coming back, or they're they're gonna they're gonna bring the game back. I believe it's like in twenty twenty three or something like that. But they announced it today. Evan, I mean, how excited are you for this game? Is it something that you play a lot, or you know, do you just you just not into it? It's it's very ironic that this news dropped today. Um, last Sunday, I had a COVID exposure with a, um, uh, a coworker of mine. And, and so last week I spent the entire week under quarantine and when everything started, man, I was just down about the fact that I had to work from home because I, I hate working from home. And the very first thing I did, no kidding, I called my friend Evan, who I've actually lent my Xbox to because his burned up. But he owned NCAA 14. And so I lent him my Xbox, and he sat it over at his house. The first thing I did when I knew I was going under quarantine, I called him. I said, hey, man, I'm stuck at the house for the next week. I'm going to get the Xbox and NCAA 14. So I brought that thing home on Monday of last week, and I started my road to glory like I, like it was 2013 all over again. And I've been playing quarterback for the last 
for the last seven days. I've, I've probably put in a combined 15 or 16 hours over the last week playing NCAA 14. And, um, you know, I'm not a big gamer, but I love that game. And that, that's my favorite game of all time. And I have, you know, over over courses of period of time since 2013, I've pulled that game out and I've played it. I'll just get on bend it. It's like crack to me. I just love the game. And uh, so I'm, I'm so fired up for it to come back. And I don't – I literally – the next Xbox 360 is the only thing I own, but I was already thinking today of go ahead and setting setting the money aside to, to buy the new new console and buy that yeah. game whenever it comes out. Where would you, uh, you go to college with your quarterback? Uh, you're, I, I don't think I can say on this podcast, quite frankly. You know, I, I, it was the only school over? that I could – it was the only school I could go to and be the second string. Bullshit. Uh-uh. Yeah, uh, I went to Auburn. I went to Auburn. I did. I sure did. Right, One, this, two, will Evans, this will be Evan's Three last and... appearance on the Gumprunners podcast. <laughs> Three and one against the Tide, by the way. We 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 uh, finished off our second natty. You need to stop talking. You need to stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> I say, well, I used to go to West Virginia and run that air raid and just light it up. That was my favorite play. Yeah. I, I kind of fallen off this last season or these last four years playing quarterback. I, I really have lost my touch a little bit, but Saban figured up, you out. Yeah, he did. I ended up pulling pulling in the Heisman the last year and and won won two straight natties to close her out. So it, it wasn't all for naught. Oh wow! So you won more natties in your career than Auburn has in their entire football history. Yeah, one one half more exactly to be certain. <laughs> yeah. Lester, how pumped up are you uh, that, that, that this thing's coming back, and is that something that you're going to be purchasing in the future? I am pretty pumped. Um, grew up playing, you know, all the college football games. Going to GameStop, another local GameStop, when, when we had one back in the Mopples, they'd have a little tournament uh, leading up to the midnight release or whatever. Um, so that was always fun. I love it because I'm, I'm looking forward to the game. I've always joked with my friends, I'm like, if they charged 100 bucks for that game, I'd pay for it in a heartbeat. But thinking about it, I'm thinking about, well, i got to drop 500 for the PlayStation and then another 70 for the game. So looking forward to the game. I'm looking forward to dropping 600 bucks on it, but it is what it is. Well, maybe they'll make it for the PlayStation 4, too, and I'm sure they will. Um, I'm no, sure they won't for use next gen only. Isn't really? Yep, next, yep, next generation wow. only. Well, it looks like oh, I'll be. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it looks like I'll be purchasing the same thing um, because yeah, I don't, I don't play too much anymore. Like you know, I said before, Lester and J Law try to get me weekly to play Call of Duty, and uh, and I just I'm not gonna do it. That's just not my cup of tea. But you throw me a MLB the show out there or NCAA football game, I'm gonna play it. Uh, that's really about the only two games that I play. I mean, I couldn't even get into the Fortnite thing. Um, even though that one was free, but uh, so anyway, I, I texted you guys earlier and I said make you a list because Denard Robinson was on the cover of NCAA 2014. He played at Michigan, finished up in 2012. So I said, you know, make you a list of who do you think would have been the cover athletes for the games from NCAA 15 through 2022? Because you know, as everybody knows, the the Year that the the year on the game years prior. So, for example, Denard Robinson's last year playing football at Michigan 
was 2012, but he was on NCAA 14. So the 2015 game would have had somebody from the 2013 season. The 2016 game would have had somebody from the 2014 season and so on. So, Lester, do you have your list? Yes, I got my list. I think I got my years and somewhat somewhat straight. So, yep, ready to roll. Oh, if you don't, I mean, I ain't going to hold a gun to your head. And if we had the same guys, it's okay. Um, so, yeah, go ahead, shoot. 2015, NCAA 2015, who does Lester Mitchell put on the cover? I'll go with Zeke. Zeke. Oh, um, didn't think of that Zeke. one. Well, Zeke was still playing, but well, so he couldn't have been there. He's married. It was the 2013 season. Zeke played in 2014. That was his last year, so he would have been right, eligible right. in 2016. So I'll put you down as 2016 for Zeke. Um, no, 20, 2016. I got. I started. I started at 16. For 16, I got Mariota. Okay. Okay, that's a real good one. Yeah, 2016. Um, I got Mariota. Uh, you want me to keep going on the list? Yeah, yeah, keep on going. Yeah, 16 is Mariota. For 2017, I got two names down, but I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey. Oh, no. Yes. Over it was, Derek? Uh, it was either going to be Derek Henry or McCaffrey. Yes. Oh, I, man. Knowing, knowing, how, knowing how voters and knowing how the, yeah. knowing the stats that McCaffrey put up, they they love McCaffrey, yeah. you know, Bama fatigue and all that crap. So I would want McCaffrey with that one. Um, 2018, Deshaun Watson. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, 2019, Lamar Jackson. Um, and I think Lamar might have had a chance to get on there twice. But um, 2019, Lamar Jackson. Now 2020, I'm going to go Kyler. I okay. I, I, Tua, yeah, he could have been on there, but. Knowing what we know about them fatigue and all that stuff, um, I definitely go Kyler Murray. And 2021, of course, Burrow. And 2022 is Smitty. Easy. Say that again. You cut out right at the end. Who who was one for 2022? 2022 is Smitty. Devontae. Okay. All right. Very respectable list. Uh, Evan, did you you make a list for me? Who you got starting with 2015? Yeah, I did, and Lester and I have some differences. Of course, I don't. I don't think he threw out a fifteen. Well, I guess he had Zeke, but so for fifteen, I have Johnny Menzel. Uh, Sixteen, I went with Jameis. Seventeen, I went with D. Henry, which I would. I would probably agree with Lester. I think McCaffrey might end up getting the nod in that year. Bam fatigue, and and like he said, you know, McCaffrey was. People love that guy. 18 to Sean Watson. I think we were the same. 19, I went with Leonard Fournette. I thought that Leonard Fournette was the guy that – that guy had so much hype in high school and then, you know, throughout college, I, I felt like he would he would probably get the nine. In 20, I went with Baker Mayfield over um, – I can't remember who Lester had now. 21, I went two. I went two over Burrow, man. I think, I think Tua had a bigger wow. audience than, than Joe Burrow did, just given the – you know, Tua, Tua was kind of iconic and, you know, just he stretched from the West Coast all the way to the East Coast and uh, we can disagree. But then 22, I, I actually, I went with Trevor Lawrence over Smitty. I think that's who it would have been. Um, these are, uh, you know, the 2022, I, I think this year it would have definitely been Trevor Lawrence just because, you know, like and both of y'all have talked about Bama fatigue. It is real. And, um, you know, Devonta Smith just had one of the best receiver campaigns that that's ever been done 
in in college football. And um, yeah, I wouldn't think he gotten any love. Uh, I think it would have been Trevor Lawrence's, you know, because I mean, hell, they they, they put him second in Heisman voting because of a Lifetime Achievement Award. I, I mean, like like they really act like he was the only person that wanted to play football this year. Um, but but anyway, uh, my list is is very similar to y'all's. Um, you know, 2015. I I agree with I agree with Evan. I'm gonna go Johnny Menzel. I know he was controversial. Um. But I think maybe by that time he hadn't done, you know, too many stupid things. I think a lot of his stupidity was done when he was in the NFL, and a lot of his immaturity showed when he was in the NFL. Um, in college, you know, he never really got in, in too too much trouble. Everybody knew how, you know, he was expressive and everything like that. But I think he would have made the cover. 2016, which is Lester went with Mariota, Evan went with Jameis. I actually have both of them written down. But I think with the, the the whole crab cakes thing or crab legs thing, I think they would have put Mariota on the on the yeah, cover, and I think yeah. that would have probably been my pick. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, 2017, gotta go Derrick Henry. No way. Now this is just being a bammer. Um, but honestly, if I if I had to put money on who the voters would have gone with, it'd have been Christian McCaffrey, just like both of y'all said, just because you know. He had, he had better stats or whatever, and, and he won the AP Player of the Year that year, and Derrick Henry won the Heisman. And that's like the only time in the last 12 years, I think, that the AP Player of the Year did not win the Heisman. Um, so that's been a dead giveaway for every year except for 2015. So, uh, yeah, I would have loved to see Derrick Henry on there. And um, 18, I would go Deshaun Watson. I was going to say Fournette just because he had a great career. But uh, what Deshaun did to to Alabama in the national championship game against arguably one of the best defenses in college football history, um, throwing for over 400 yards and, and beating them in the national championship game, I think that would have landed him on the cover. 2019, Lamar win the, wins the Heisman, but Baker Baker Mayfield stole the show. Um, you know, it seemed like every every highlight, you know, every highlight section, every Sports Center episode started with a Baker Mayfield highlight. He was always doing something. Even though Lamar, you know, won the Heisman, his team was only eight and four. He had an incredible season. But uh I think Baker would have slid in there as a cover athlete on the uh twenty twenty or twenty nineteen game. Then comes the twenty twenty. Honestly, I think that since they had put Baker on there the year before, I'm not so sure Tua wouldn't slid in there. Um I, you know, I think he would have been the, the second choice. It was before Burrow had burst on the scene. Um, and uh, so I think Tua might have slid in there. And then 2021, Burrow. Then 2022, I would put Devonta on there. But like Evan said, pretty sure Trevor Lawrence would have uh, would have crept in there. Strong list. Very interesting, for sure. So yeah, we're uh, sure we're definitely excited. James and, and got to see that. <laughs> yeah, that that'd have been nice. If you could, if you can, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. Evan. If you can make a change to uh, to you know Dynasty Road to Glory, whatever, what would be like a couple of of changes that you would that you would really emphasize if you were in charge of of creating this new game? Yeah, that's funny you asked, Chase. I think a lot of people have been. They're kind of spitballing and throwing that out there this year. I don't know. I've seen a lot of people talk about the transfer portal. Don't we all hate the transfer portal? Like, I don't 
I don't know that I would put that on there. Um, I don't know as far as changes. You know, I'm, I'm a big Road to Glory fan. Um, as far as changes to Road to Glory, somebody mentioned in a, a more in-depth, um, like, practice facility and, and kind of practice setting. I would like that. I think a, a, a more realistic in-game experience would probably be fun, like, you know, some kind of more interaction with coaches and scheme and, um, you know, as far as, like, pregame planning and, and stuff like that of, of, of that nature. Somebody mentioned assistant coaches, coaches hires. I'm not a big dynasty guy, but I think that would be a lot of fun, you know, to have, you know, more more insight on or more say in whoever you can hire as the assistant and, um yeah, that I guess that would probably be about it. The game was pretty good as it was, I, I would say. Yeah, I mean we're still playing it for a reason. Uh, but yeah, as far as the dynasty mode goes, that's that's my big thing. I love I love the dynasty mode. Of course, I play on Heisman, which is the hardest level, and um, I, I've gotten so good at the game that you know I usually start a dynasty with Old Dominion or you know, I mean I don't know Appalachian State or somebody I don't. Uh, Idaho, um, anyway, South Alabama, whatever, and I can I can usually I schedule tough in the uh, non-conference, get a bunch of top ten teams up there, beat them all, and end up you know most of the time getting to play for a national championship if you're going thirteen and zero. Um, but yeah, I, I like that about the assistant coaches because you know it, sh- it should it should allow you to hire you know a guy like say you run a spread system. I wish it would, there was some way that it would. It would track, you know, how much you're throwing the ball relative to how much you're running. And if you're a 70-30 throw to run type, you know, then it would give you a choice to hire some guys with some more passing background or whatever. And I know that most of the time people create a playbook anyway. I know I did. Um, so it really doesn't matter. But I think the process would be kind of cool, you know, to, that you have a say in who you're hiring or whatever. And maybe do like a, maybe do like some cut scenes like they do in the NBA games. Um, whenever you do your little career mode in those where it has some cut scenes where you go maybe like a sit down yeah, interview or like cool. coaches meetings. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to see something like that. Um, Lester, any changes you would make to the game? Or do you like it the way it is? I, in in lieu of changes, don't make it garbage like Madden. I know they're going to be made by the same companies. Whoever makes Madden, keep them in a separate <laughs> building, a separate city from whoever's going to come out with this college football game. But I would like for, uh, I think the cutscenes, like you said, is really, really cool. So, you know how the video leaked? about I'm a big Road to Glory fan too, Evan. So kinda like how the Nick Saban video his recruiting pitch leaked. I think it'd be cool if a cutscene in Road to Glory as you go to various schools they have different recruiting pitches for you. I think that'll be pretty cool from that kind of perspective. Um Yeah, that would be cool. That'll be pretty neat. Um other than that just I guess a more in depth game. Um one of my favorite features from the previous game was the crowd noise. Like if you're playing in Death Valley at night, that's a top ten team. I mean your controller is damn near shaking out of your hands. I mean the receiver lines are all squeaking so I think that's just really, really cool. Just keep up the old features. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's my main thing. Especially in the first edition of the game after I guess what, ten years or whatever? Or shoot, longer than that actually. 
whatever it was. But don't if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just make it better. You don't have to have all this fancy crap. I think diehard fans are not really looking for a bunch of new features or fancy stuff. Just a updated, playable game. I hear y'all loud and clear, man. Um, yeah. It's nice to talk about something different. I'm glad we we're able to talk about the, the new launch of the video game happening in a couple of years. But, uh, Evan, we appreciate you hopping on here with us. Um, Lester, always good to hear from you. Um, Alabama plays LSU Wednesday night, six o'clock, I believe. Um, and then, you know, by the time we record next week, they'll play Missouri on the road as well. We'll be breaking down those games along, you know, um, you know, guys, I, I ain't gonna lie to you. I completely forgot about the Super Bowl. We didn't, um, Evan, you want to give a quick Super Bowl prediction? I'm not a big NFL guy, but I'll go, uh, Bucks 32 28. Don't bet against the GOAT. That's what you're saying. Lester, what's your prediction for the Super Bowl? Chiefs 38 28. I think the Chiefs just had too much firepower. I like the way Tampa Bay's defense has been playing, though. I actually see this as a little, maybe a little bit lower scoring than people think. I'm going to go uh, Chiefs 28-25. I'm going to keep it in, in the in the mid to high 20s. I don't think it'll get into the 30s. But, um, hell, I think I was wrong on the Bills and the Packers uh, a couple of weeks ago. So don't listen to what I say. Don't put money on that. But um, episode 22, Gunburners Podcast, Chase Thorne, Lester Mitchell, special guest Evan Wright joining us. We're out.